We all need someone to encourage us. Stay tuned for more. Hi and welcome to today's Little Lesson. Thank you for joining me on this another special edition of Little Lessons as we get closer to the beginning of a brand new year. We're looking at 12 biblical principles that you can apply to make next year the best year of your life. And you've been following along in this series of which there have been uh, so far nine in this nine episodes in in this series. You by now have Proverbs 4:18 memorized. Are you ready? The path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And that is a very encouraging scripture. And how do we all love, myself included, encouraging scriptures? And the reason there are so many encouraging scriptures is that God is the great encourager. Boy, is he ever. Now you say, well, there's some not so encouraging things. Of course, God is perfectly balanced and he can't just only say encouraging things because some people, you know, don't need encouragement. They need reprimand. But even in, you know, God's reprimands, like, for example, take any of the major prophets where, you know, they were, God was speaking through them or the minor prophets for that reason, most in most cases, where God was, you know, warning them and, and, and telling them of the coming wrath and so on and so forth. I mean, again, it's always speaking, you know, at times to people whom he had showed a lot of of mercy to for in many cases hundreds of years you know generations of people and finally God has runs out of patience and he's telling them you know you're 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 going to suffer here now even in the midst of those dark and gloomy scriptures that aren't that enjoyable to read all of a sudden out of nowhere pops up this wonderfully bright encouraging section talking about you know one day it's all going to be wonderful and so all that stuff just, you know, God just can't help it, I guess, because fundamentally he is an encourager. Obviously, he's a lover. Obviously, he's a God of grace. And so encouragement goes with those things. You can't be a lover of people without being an encourager of people. You, you can't demonstrate grace towards people, you know, without the component of encouragement. And that's, you know, that, that, that that's the foundation of encouragement is, in fact, grace. And we'll talk about that um, in today's little lesson. So here's, here's the 10th principle, biblical principle, that you can apply to make next year the best year of your life. We all need someone to encourage us. And <laughs> I like to have more than one, okay? But I, and I do have more than one encourager in my life. Everyone needs at least one person who believes in them. <laughs> That's so important. We all need someone who believes in us because you know, the world is full of discouragers and fault finders. And, you know, even within the church, you know, there's these people that seem like they feel like their ministry is to be the spiritual police, you know, and <laughs> 
find what's wrong with everybody. They're out there. And, you know, the more that you're visible, like if you have any kind of a ministry, well, oh my goodness, you might as well have a target painted on your back because the, you know, the Pharisees and the the spiritual police, they're looking for you. They're, they, they, and for some reason, I guess they just, you know, build themselves up by putting other people down. And that could be the fundamental problem, you know, that they don't have anyone encouraging them. They're so discouraged. They have such a negative self-image that the only way they can lift other people up, lift themselves up, excuse me, is by putting other people down. You know, when you squash a bug, it elevates you a little bit. And I, I think sometimes that's the fundamental problem behind people who are just so critical. They, you know, they, they, they perhaps have been criticized. Maybe they never had an encourager in their life. You know, maybe their own parents said negative, discouraging things to them, you know, as they were growing up and they have this terrible image. And so, you know, just trying to survive emotionally and psychologically, the only way they figured out how to survive is to put other people down so that at least they can feel a little bit better about themselves. That's something to, you know, maybe think about in your own life if you're a, 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 a kind of a negatron. <laughs> you know, you didn't get the encouragement that, that you really needed, which again, is another way of saying you didn't get the grace. Because, you know, we can find fault with anybody. We're all flawed individuals. We all have the skeletons in our closets, you know, and and we all, you know, have things that we're embarrassed about in our past. And if that's what people are focused on and always pointing out, you know, that could be rather discouraging. But when someone comes along with some grace and says, oh, yeah, 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 you made some blunders, you know, but the future is bright for you because you've decided to get on the path of the righteous and follow Jesus. And so I believe in you. That's the kind of people that we need more of. And we need to be those kind of people. So here's the, here's number 10. You ready? Encourage everybody. I like that. It's got a little alliteration to it. Encourage everybody, not not just people who, you know, deserve it. No, the whole basis of encouragement is they really don't deserve. Discouraged people are looking at the reality, at the facts, and looking at their mistakes and the blunders and the errors and their past and so forth, you know. And if you're going to judge them purely by oh, the, the, the cold, hard facts, well, then, you know, what could you say that's encouraging them? But grace can jump in there and say, hey, the future, you know, is not determined by the past. You can do different. Differently. You can do better. You can learn your lesson. You didn't fail. You just discovered another way that didn't work. <laughs> I like that. So I, I, I think about that, that about myself, you know, because sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Nobody else will encourage you. You have to encourage yourself. That's actually even biblical. <laughs> David, one time, there's a script about how he encouraged himself in the Lord because everybody else was so discouraging at that particular moment in, in his life. Yeah, you're looking at a person who has never failed once. Now, I've discovered thousands of ways that don't work. <laughs> okay, and you're probably in that same category. Okay, all right, so we all need someone to encourage us. Um, here's something I wrote down in my notes. I want to make sure I said it. Only God knows how many dreams have died due to a word of discouragement that could have been fulfilled, dreams that is, through a word of encouragement. Ah, 
almost sends shivers up and down my spine just to ponder that statement. Only God knows how many dreams have died due to a word of discouragement. People have a dream, kids have dreams, people have dreams, they think they can make it, but somebody who they respect or someone who you know, is an authority figure in their life gives them a word of discouragement and their dreams die. And, and those dreams could have been fulfilled if somebody would have encouraged them. Okay, so, you know, we all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Well, you and me, we need encouragement. But if you want to reap encouragement, probably you ought to try sowing some encouragement. So encourage everybody. There's a guy in the Bible who I love. Um, uh, you, he's first introduced in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4. Um, and his, his actual name was Joseph. Most people don't know that. He was a Levite. Okay, interesting guy, a Levite of Cyprian birth. This is Acts 4.35, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles. So there's, you know, this guy pops up in the early church and, and named Joseph, and all the apostles start calling him. They rename him Barnabas. And in, in the, the, the uh, book of Acts goes on, and Acts 4.35 goes on to say, parenthetically, which translated means son of encouragement. Okay, so that tells us something about Barnabas's character and personality. He was an encourager, and all the apostles, the early apostles, recognized that. And they stopped calling him Joseph. They started calling him son of encouragement. You're such an encouragement. You have so much grace for people. And, you know, you're always encouraging them, lifting them up, telling them you can make it. You can make something of yourself. The future is bright and so forth. You know, if you'll just do what God says, you know, and... and and, 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 it, and it goes on to say that he owned a tract of land and he sold it and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, they were encouraged by his devotion to Jesus Christ. We're all encouraged by people that, you know, are making a sacrifice to follow Jesus. It encourages us to make sacrifices and follow Jesus, okay? So Barnabas, although we don't have anything that I'm aware of recorded in the book of Acts that he actually said where his words are quoted, but man, is he ever, you know, mentioned frequently in, as you read the book of Acts, and also then in, in some of the epistles as well. Um, and I, I think there might be like 30 or more references to Barnabas. I mean, he's a big wig. He started off, uh, God made him into either a prophet and or a teacher. That's found uh, early on in Acts. And, and then he's promoted to the office of an apostle. But before all that, remember the story of Saul of Tarsus when he was converted on the road to Damascus. Big bad dude, you know, persecuting the church. The number one church persecuted, you know, public enemy number one for the church. But the Lord zaps him on the road to Damascus, you know. And he, he, Saul makes his way after his conversion and he's born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit and so forth. And already, you know, sharing his, his, sharing his faith and the gospel as he understands it. He makes his way to Jerusalem, Acts 9.26. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Naturally, they were afraid of him. They heard, you know, this guy's reputation has preceded him, not believing that he was a disciple. So they, they're, they're, hearing, they're hearing this message. This guy's been saved. This guy's, you know, he's become a disciple of Jesus Christ, but nobody believes it. But, but one guy believes. Guess who that was? But Barnabas took hold of him. See, Barnabas said, I believe in you. I believe your story. I'll take the risk took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he, 
talking of Paul, Saul, how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So he had, he assembled some of the data, some of the facts about, you know, we, there, there's, there's evidence that this guy is genuinely been born again now. But he took the risk of meeting a guy who, you know, potentially could have thrown him in prison. See, encouragers are risk takers. They, they, they endorse people that other people don't endorse. And sometimes their endorsements go bad, <laughs> you know, because the person they tried to instill some courage in, you know, and that's what encourage means. You're trying to instill courage in people. It, it, they don't follow through. And then, you know, it makes the endorser kind of look bad. <laughs> they take that risk, but they don't mind because they help so many people as they instill courage in them and they watch those people rise to, to meet. And, and like I said, God's the big encourager. So interestingly enough, and, and, and uh, I'm gonna follow a quick rabbit trail here. Interestingly enough, it was because he was such an encourager, because again, he, he, he's the guy who you know, got Paul in to see the, the, the uh, apostles. And that's where Paul got his start in, in Jerusalem, being believed because one person, Barnabas, the encourager, the son of encouragement, believed in him. And he becomes a traveling companion with Paul. And they, you know, they, and, and they go on these missionary journeys. And, and Barnabas is always right there by Paul's side, you know, no doubt always encouraging him. But it's really interesting. A lot of folks haven't seen this because they know about ultimately that Paul and Barnabas had a division and they had to go their separate ways. Um, this is Acts 15, verse 36. And, and, and why that actually happened had something to do with Barnabas's encouraging personality. Some day, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, these are buddies now for years, you know, apostles, fellow apostles, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Paul was proposing a mission, another missionary journey with this one of his closest friends, Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, along with them also, because he, he had gone on a prior missionary journey, but he only made it so far and he, he, he got discouraged and he went back to Jerusalem. He had kind of, you know, abandoned ship, as it were. But here's where the disagreement starts. But Paul kept insisting they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. See, Paul is, you know, evaluating John Mark based on the facts. We know this guy's history. He, he, he you know, he's, we bring him along, he probably just abandoned us again, you know. But Barnabas, the encourager, oh no, oh no, we're not, we're not gonna judge people based entirely on their past. I'm going to, I want to encourage him. No, this time, this time it's going to be different. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they, they separated from one another and, and, and they doubled their efforts. Actually, it, it's, it's sad, but it's also has, you know, the silver lining. They separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. That's one of the places they had been on one of their earlier missionary journeys. And Paul chose Silas and left. 
being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. So they went several ways. They doubled their efforts, and, you know, and they instead of being one team, they became two teams. And a lot of people think, oh, though, you know, it was this bitter hatred, you know, and they were, no, not bitter hatred, a disagreement, and they agreed to disagree. But it was all based on the fact that Barnabas believed the best about John Mark. And that, I can guarantee you, John Mark was forever grateful. And one day you can ask him when you see him in heaven, what do you think about Barnabas? Barnabas is my encourager. <laughs> so be a Barnabas. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another. It all comes from our words. Finally, Ephesians 4.29 tells us, this is one of the verses I memorized a long time ago, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as good for edification, that's building up, encouraging, that it might give grace to the hearer. There is a balance, oh yes. But moms and dads, encourage your kids every single day. I've noticed that successful people in business most often, most always, there are exceptions, of course, but they are encouragers. They build a team and they build a culture of people who love to work for them because they know that even if I make a mistake, if I make a blunder, this leader is going to encourage me and, and not, you know, not, not judge me based upon history and the facts, but they're gonna say, oh no, this, is, this has been a great lesson. Making that mistake is kind of a rite of passage here in our organization. Everybody makes it. I've made it more than anybody else have. I'm the chief you know, failure officer here. <laughs> That's how I got to be the president. And let me encourage you, this is not the end, this is the beginning, and now you're that much smarter. And that $10,000 that you lost, Oh, that's going to save you from losing a million dollars because of the wisdom you got. <laughs> okay. All right. Be an encourager. Encourage everyone. Okay. Let me encourage you, if you got this video by an email, a company with it is a little information about uh, this year's matching gift challenge. We're getting very close to the end of the year. The challenge this year is $375,000. When I last looked, we were about, at, you know, at reaching our goal, uh, we were about 52000 Now I'm making this video about a week before you're watching it, so I'm sure it's higher by now. But you've only got a few days to the end of the year. We have a, the potential to raise $750,000 that takes us into 2024 uh, that's going to serve the least of these in all the places where the ministries of Heaven's Family are working. Um, it's going to help expand God's kingdom in amazing ways in 2024 in East Africa through our Farming God's Way and Disciple Making Movement Ministries, Disciple Multiplication Ministry. Okay, and so it's a wonderful opportunity. Let me encourage you to give alms. That was number five, okay, as you complete your stewardship for 2024. Three, okay? If you didn't get this video by way of an email, the link, just go to heavensfamily.org. The word heaven, the letter S, the word family.org. On our homepage, you'll see the matching gift challenge and how it all works and how you can get involved. Okay, the deadline is midnight, December 31st. All right, until next time, may the Lord keep on blessing you.